Do you ever feel like one of those? Yeah. I have good news for you, though. Our God is I am. We're starting a new series today, and uh, it falls under our uh, focal point for the whole year, which is vision. And um, it's called the quest, but not just any quest. It's a God quest. And as you go on a quest, you find out things about yourself. That song fits perfectly because at some point in our lives, we've, we've all felt or been in one of those situations, yet he's proven time and time again who he is. And he's never changed, but it seems that we do. And today on our God quest, as we go on this quest, what I really want you to understand is what you believe determines where you go in life. And we're going to really get into that today because what I've come to realize is we live in a world that for the most part has no absolute standard for life and behavior. We are under a system of morality by majority. Uh, In other words, whatever feels right seems to set the standard for behavior. That philosophy, it, it runs contrary to everything we know about our world though. You see, for example, in science, there are absolutes. Our entire universe is built on fixed laws. We can do things like send satellites into orbit and other things into space, and we can accurately predict their behavior millions of miles away. In science, whether it's biology, botany, physiology, astronomy, mathematics, engineering, or any other ology you want to put in there, those things are controlled by laws. Yet in our moral world, many people want to live without laws and absolutes. We try to determine our our points of reference from our own minds. That's impossible, though. When we move from the physical to the spiritual realm, fixed laws still exist. We cannot exist without laws in the moral and the spiritual dimensions of our world and our life any more than we can in just the physical world. Will you pray with me? Father God, I thank you for the opportunity we have to be on this quest. To not only discover who you are, but to find out who we are. To find out at at our core what we really do believe about you and your word and your son. And, And as we go through this series, as we go through this quest, I pray that you will open our hearts. Let us see in ourselves where we need to do things differently. Let us see in ourselves where we need to make the change so that we can continue this quest, so that we can know who you are, so that we can be a reflection of you, so that we can be poured out over this community. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Listen, our creator built morality into life. Just as there are physical laws, there are spiritual laws. And I want to give you some examples. Uh, I heard a conversation one time and people were, were going back and forth on TV Uh, about whether or not AIDS is the judgment of God, the acquired immune deficiency, whether or not that is a a judgment of God. And I got to thinking about that, and I thought, you know, AIDS is the judgment of God in the same sense that cirrhosis of the liver is the judgment of God, or that emphysema is the judgment of God. If you drink a lot of alcohol during the course of your life, you're liable to get cirrhosis of the liver. If you smoke two or three packs of cigarettes a day, For the rest of your life or for a majority of your life and then quit, you're still liable to get emphysema or heart disease, low birth weight. All those things come from smoking cigarettes. And if you choose to violate God's standards for morality, you're likely to get diseases, even AIDS. 
It's a law that the Bible describes in terms of sowing and reaping, if you will. Galatians 6, verses 7 through 10 says, Do not be deceived, God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will reap, or excuse me, will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, especially to those who are of the household of faith. Do you see it? It's a matter of what you believe determines where you will go in life. For example, if every one of us in this room and everybody who hears this message online, if we truly believe what I just read from Galatians 6, it should change the way that we sow ourselves in this world. If we truly believe that, it should change the way we react to things, the way we treat other people. Are you sowing to your own flesh or are you sowing to the Spirit? As we go on this quest, those are questions that need to be answered. Because we're not going to truly find who God is and respect and honor and obey Him if we can't get past this. In other words, what are your daily practices? Are they centered around prayer and study and fellowship and worship and service? Or are they centered around work and TV and the movies and social events and social media and the involvement in other self-indulgent behaviors? Because what we believe as individuals determines where we will go in life. I want to share with you another example. This comes from the movie, The End of the Spear. Um, and and it's, a, it's a story of the, the Elliott family, a group of missionaries, and how they went into the, um, the Wodani tribe, which was a tribe known for killing people, and, and they brought them the word of Jesus. And if you haven't seen this movie, End of the Spear, check it out. It's really good to watch, and it's a true story about these missionaries and what they've done. But, but here I want to set up this scene a little bit. There's two scenes in that movie that just really resonated with me as I look at what we believe determines where we will go in life. Um, the first one, the Elliott family, um, this is how they, they lived out what they believed. They sowed and they reaped according to what God would have them do, not what they were necessarily comfortable doing. Uh, it not only determined where they would go in life, but it saved a whole village tribe. The first scene is like this. Jim Elliott and his friends were planning on, on dropping supplies for the Wadani tribe in an airplane. They had this little yellow Cessna airplane. And he must have been some sort of an engineer because he figured out that if they let out enough rope with a bucket and some stuff in it, and he flew around in a large circle, that eventually the rope and the bucket would come and kind of stay in a tight pattern down at the ground. And so they do this. And, and the first time they do it, the, it's funny, the Wudani, they're like poking it with spears and this bucket sitting on the ground. The plane's up there circling overhead and they realize there's some stuff in it. So they take the stuff and they run in their huts and they reel it back in. They did a couple of these drops. And, and, and so they're talking about doing this. And one of the wives says, you know, we should check in with Jim's sister. She was another missionary in the area so that she could report that they had found the Wudani tribe, that they had made some contact. And he says to her, if we tell Rachel then she'll have to tell her superiors and then they're going to get involved and it'll be planning this for the next two years to make contact with the Wadani tribe. And and he said to his wife, he says, the Wadani are killing each other and other tribes at an alarming rate. He says, if we don't do something, he feared the government would step in with soldiers and just wipe out this tribe. It was just getting that out of hand. He said, the Wadani don't have two years. We need to go now. We've made some contact. We've given them some gifts. They don't have two years. In two years, they could all be dead. They need to know Jesus. 
Jim Elliott and his missionary friends knew that there was a risk in making contact with the Wadani tribe. But they were willing to, to sow everything that they had, including their own lives. The next scene from the movie I want to share with you is where Jim Elliott, he's getting ready to go with his, with his other missionary men, and they're loading up some things in the plane. They're going to make physical contact. They found a beach where they could land the plane, and they were going to get out, and they were going to present themselves to the Wadani, give them some gifts, and just, just make some physical contact. And he's getting his plane ready. He puts his rifle in the plane. And his son, Stevie, at this time is around 9 or 10 years old. And his son says, Dad, if the Wadani attack you guys and they're going to kill you, will you shoot? His dad says, well, we'll shoot in the air and we'll try to scare them. And Stevie says, you won't, you won't shoot at them? You won't defend yourself? You won't kill them? If they're coming at you to kill you, you won't kill them? And he says to him, son, we can't kill the Wadani because they don't know about Jesus. They're not ready for heaven. We can't, we can't shoot them, but we're ready for heaven. You see, what he believed determined where he would go in life. He knew what he was getting into. I don't think he expected the end result to be death the way that it went down, but the Elliott family and the other missionary friends, they believed that they should sow the good news of Jesus Christ to the Wadani people, and they sowed it generously. As the story goes, the men, they land the plane, they make contact, they're sharing with them lemonade and, and some other things. And in a moment of confusion and chaos, something just went wrong, and they lost their lives at the hand of the Wadani warriors. As Jim Elliott was dying, he said to, one, to the Wadani warrior that stabbed him with a spear in the Wadani language, he said to him, I am your very good friend. You need to go see the movie now. <laughs> you know, he said, I am your very good friend. Through a series of events after that that only God could orchestrate, the Wadani people come to know about Jesus Christ. And because they believed what they were told about Christ and the word of God, it changed the whole existence for the Wadani tribe. Before they came to know Christ, what they believed determined where they would go and how they would govern themselves. And it was mostly by force. Their first line of thinking was to live by the spear. When they would get into an argument, they would, let's just take out the problem. But when they heard about God's love and grace and forgiveness and the way that God can heal and mend brokenness, they became a people that lived by the word. I want to share with you about another person who allowed what he believed to determine where he would go in life. Turn in your Bibles to 1 Chronicles chapter 4. I'm going to read through verses 9 and 10. And if you don't have your Bible, just write that down. 1 Chronicles 4, verses 9 through 10. And you can, you can read that later this week. But it goes like this. Now Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. And his mother called his name Jabez, saying, Because I bore him in pain. And Jabez called on the God of Israel, saying, Oh, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my territory, that your hand would be with me and that you would keep me from evil that I may not cause pain. So God granted him what he requested. Who is Jabez? What do we know about this guy? Really not much other than what I just read. That's pretty much all that the Bible says. There's no mention of him anywhere else later in Scripture to say what he did with all this territory or, or with anything else that took place. But from the context of that, it appears he was of the tribe of Judah and, and there's some theories about Jabez. I want to share a couple of them with you. There's theories about who he was and, and, and what he was. But our purpose here is to simply see what lessons we can learn from this man. 
because he allowed what he believed to not only determine where he would go, but how, we, how he would approach God and how God would respond to him. The first thing you need to consider with Jabez is his attitude. The Bible says he was honorable. It doesn't say why he was honorable. It just says he was honorable. It doesn't say why he was more honorable than his brothers. We're not told that. But it may have to do with the nature of his prayer. See, there are two characteristics that are needed for somebody to be honorable in prayer, and one of them is being earnest. That means when we pray, we need to be praying sincerely. We need to be praying with, with full belief. Don't, don't pray half-hearted prayers. Pray it and believe it. You have to be earnest, be intense, zealous, sincere, and determined when you're praying. We're also told that the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much in James chapter 5, verse 16. The next characteristic we pick up from Jabez in, in factoring in what you believe follows through is that his humility. 1 Peter uh, 5, 6, and 7 says, Therefore humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. The earnest, fervent prayer that is prayed in true humility is honored before God. Another aspect of, of the attitude of Jabez is he directed his prayer to God. Because we are to worship the Lord our God and serve him alone. That's it. Jesus taught us to address our prayer saying, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. To direct such a prayer to God demonstrates that we are trusting and dependent on him for everything that is. I see... I see Jim Elliott and his missionary friends as a modern example of Jabez. They were, expand our territory. They weren't asking for their home site to be larger, for their income to be greater. Their whole purpose, they were praying for an opportunity. The expansion they were looking for was for the kingdom of God. They knew these people were out there, and they spent time, countless hours, flying around, trying to just locate them by vision, by sight. They had a map, and every time they would, they would get from one section to the next section, they would cross it off on the map. No life here. We didn't see him here. We didn't see him here. Finally, they called in. Hey, we've made contact. We see two Wadani people. And they tracked him. They kept tracking him. That, that territory that was, that was broadened for them was of a spiritual nature. It was the kingdom of God. The Bible says in Philippians 4, 6, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let our requests be made known to God. The next thing I want to look at and consider is the character of Jabez's petition, what he requested. He asked for a personal blessing. And to ask God's blessing is to ask him to give you divine favor. There's nothing wrong with requesting God to bless us specifically. Uh, matter of fact, the psalmist did. He prayed, save your people and bless your inheritance. Shepherd them also and bear them up forever. In Psalm 28, verse 9. But Jabez, he asked for this personal blessing. He asked God to enlarge his borders. This seems to relate to material prosperity. I understand it's certainly scriptural for us to pray that God will bless us. Matthew 6, 11 talks about that. But the Bible offers no promise that if we do certain things for God, then he will materially bless us. Don't, don't confuse this, okay? But he will, if we simply serve him faithfully, he will provide for us. Jabez asked that God's hand would be with him. No doubt to provide protection and guidance. Now, should we not pray the same way? Lead me in your truth. Teach me, for you are the God of my salvation. On you I wait all the day. Psalm 25, 5. 
And then Jabez expressed, expressed a petition that, would keep, that God would keep him from evil. Jesus also indicated that, this, that his disciples should pray for God's preservation and deliverance as he taught them to pray, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one, Matthew 6, 13. Of course, God's protection, guidance, preservation, and deliverance are all provided for us through the scriptures. But the reason Jabez prayed like this, I think, was so that he might not cause pain. One, one commentator expressed it this way, let me not experience the grief which my name implies and which my sins would well produce. Another phrased it, grant that the grief implied in my name may not come upon me. And likewise, it should be our prayer to cling to your testimonies, O Lord. Do not put me to shame. Finally, we need to consider God's response to this. He granted him what he requested. The Lord has promised us, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who, who asks receives and he who seeks finds. And he who knocks, it will be opened. God has said that he will hear and respond to the prayers of his people. Oh, he may not always give us what we ask for when we ask for it in exactly the way that we asked. But he is the source of every good and perfect gift. And we can trust him to answer our prayers by providing what he knows best with when we need it. We need to be praying in harmony with his will. Just as he did with the prayer of Jabez. You see, Jabez believed that God would answer his prayer. And so he lived out what his belief was. And he took it as far as he possibly could. And God responded. Listen, we will do well to believe the word of God. We will do well to live accordingly and allow what we believe to be what determines where we go in life and how we pray and how we act. The way I see it, we can, we can allow our belief to determine where we go, how we act and what we do, or we can allow the world to determine where we go, how we act and what we do. But in the end, whichever way you go, we're still going to be accountable before God. When it's all said and done. So I would much rather allow what I believe to be what determines where I go in life and who I serve and how I pray and how I act. You remember I talked about the Wadani tribe earlier. What you need to know, Jim Elliott and these missionary men went in and they were killed by the Wadani tribe. Their only goal was to tell this tribe about Jesus and they never got past the beach. In the end, it was their wives and their children that were able to share the love of God with them. Their wives and their children, they brought salvation to the very men who killed their husbands and fathers. Man, I have a hard time responding nicely to somebody that calls me a bad name. The women, they actually lived with the Wadani tribe for a period of time. The children with them. Sharing Jesus Christ with the very people that killed their husbands and fathers because what they believed determined where they would go and who they would serve. They believed the Wadani didn't know Jesus Christ and wouldn't go to heaven. And they never raised arms against them. They had better weapons. They had, they had all kinds of things that trumped a wooden stick with a point on the end of it. But they wouldn't even pick them up because they believed uh, because what they believed determined where they would go. Stevie Elliott, as an adult, was told the whole story of what happened 
to his father by the man that killed his father. He took him back to the spot, and this Wadani warrior took him to the place. There were even parts of the plain that were they uncovered, you know, from growth and stuff. And he showed him, here's the plain. He told him what happened, and then told him that he, he was the man that killed his father. He took him there, and he told him, this is the place where we took your father's life. And Steve Elliott, remembering what his father had told him before they flew out, why he wouldn't shoot the Wadani, said to him, you didn't take his life. He gave it. You know, it took some 20 years or so for Steve Elliott to understand and realize that what his dad believed did in fact determine where his father would go and what he would do in and with his life. Steve and his wife and his two kids ended up moving back and living with the Wadani tribe for several years, continuing to minister to them and teach them. Because what they believed determined where they would go in life. Not what they wanted to do, not what their desires were, but it was what they believed determined where they would go in life and who they would serve. How about you? What determines where you will go in life? Do your bills determine where you will go in life? Do your own personal desires determine where you will go and what you will do? Or do you allow your belief in God and what He has called you to do be what determines where you will go in life? This year, my one focus for every message that I write is vision. God's vision for us, not our vision. Our vision is poor. But it's God's vision for us that we will see what God would have us do. So as we continue on the quest over the next few weeks, I ask you to write this down and make this your prayer. God, what would you have me see? Where would you have me go? And what would you have me do? Pray this on the way to work. Pray it on the way to school. Pray it on the way to to go grocery shopping. Pray it when you leave here today to go to the restaurant and have lunch. God, what would you have me see? Where would you have me go? What would you have me do? Pray it when you go on vacation. Just because you're spending time with the family doesn't mean you can't serve the Lord somehow. Ask God to show you his vision and then live according to what you believe. God, what would you have me see? Where would you have me go? What would you have me do? As we prepare for our response time, pray that right now. Go ahead, just bow your heads. Close your eyes. You don't have to say it out loud. God, what would you have me see? Where would you have me go? What would you have me do? Brothers and sisters, whatever God is telling you or showing you, I pray that you will respond accordingly to what you believe. If you have a decision to make, don't wait. If you need prayer, the elders are here. They'll be glad to pray with you. If you need baptism, the baptistry is ready. If if you just want to rededicate, start all over living what you believe. Now is the time to live what you believe and allow that to determine where you go in life. Will you stand and sing with us?